If you are hearing my voice in the beautiful city and surrounding area of La Crosse, Wisconsin, welcome on in to the madness that is our show called Over the Line. We welcome you into the fold, become a habitual line stepper. My name is Ebo, and to the immediate front of me across the studio desk is the one and only Nelly. Nelson and or Rowdy, whichever you prefer. I call him Nels sometimes too. Nelly, say good morning to Lacrosse, Wisconsin, baby. Yeah, good morning. Good to be back, huh? Yeah, Rowdy, uh, tell the folks your alma mater is who? UWL, except for it's been over a handful of years. <laughs> so good morning. We are now on in Lacrosse, WKTY. We love you. Expanding the over the line. Habitual Line Stepping Network, as we are now on here in Madison, Wisconsin, W-O-Z-N. Rowdy, we have W-K-T-Y now in La Crosse. We have W-M-A-M up in Marinette, Wisconsin, and W-O-T-E, Shano Clintonville. Am I missing any? Is that all of them? As of right now, that's it. Soon to be many more. We welcome on in W-K-T-Y. We love you. Would love to hear your phone calls, your interactions, your everything as we welcome everyone from every walk of life with open arms here on Over the Line. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of like all the people that we have calling in the show, Rowdy, that they can expect to find here. We have a music trivia guy named Scotty. We have a habitual, not a line stepper, but a habitual booze hound, Charlie. You'll hear from him. We have a blind guy, Dave from Monona, which I think you hear on Grant's show. They're in WKTY, the Wisco Sports Show. We got anyone and everyone in between as well, from Cubs fans, the Celtics fans, our guy Paulie, to diehard Wisconsin fans, the pipeline of the North Troy up in, oh, where is Troy now? Marinette area, Mitch and Matt. We got everybody. You guys are going to have a good time learning us all and becoming a part of the fold. Can't wait. So we celebrate good times having you come on into the show. Good stuff. Rowdy, how was the weekend, man? You got a little sun on the arms and the face. Yeah, I got sunburned. Went out and played some golf for uh, Bernsey's birthday. (laughs) And, yeah, we didn't leave with much besides sunburn. Yeah, I I was out doing a lot of yard work over the weekend, that honey-do list. I also got a little uh, color. Wasn't golfing. Pretty bad at golf. Still trying. Well, Rowdy, good weekend overall? I think it was a good weekend for everyone except for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Freaking Brewers lost two out of three ugly. to the Braves. Two out of three to the Braves, man. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, I like to have a lot of song here. I'm going to start with this song right here, though. Your Milwaukee Bucks. Get out of here, Celtics. A game three win Saturday afternoon at the Pfizer Forum. The Bucks hold off a late charge to take down the busted Celtics. 103 to 101. 42 points from Giannis Adendakumbo. Oh my God. But there would be some late game dramatics because at the end, a purposely missed free throw and everyone's dancing around the rack. Uh, Horford L. Horford tries to go up to tie it, to send it to overtime for the deer. But no, no, it would be the deer holding strong. Take a listen to what happened uh, at the end of that game. Smart, got it. 
Harford puts it up. No, tip won't go. Williams, another try. Harford, no. He tips it in, but it's afterwards. The game is over. The drama, Rowdy. The tip by Horford was after the buzzer sounded. That would have tied the game, but it appeared that that was after the buzzer, meaning Milwaukee wins game three. The drama, Rowdy. Bucks, Giannis just absolutely dealing. Celtic surge in the end. The tip off or the tip in that almost was from Al Horford. Not enough, though. If there was like a half a millisecond more, it would have counted, I bet. But my God, the Bucks hang on to win 103 to 101. What'd you think? A Saturday as the Bucks take a two-one series lead. Yeah, Bucks. Uh, that was a, that was a game that they needed, right? You're a little nervous because that that was a good game, pretty much the entire game. That was yes. back and forth. Yeah, it was it was electric, dude. Giannis, oh my God, was Giannis unstoppable? Giannis was absolutely unstoppable in that game at the Fire Serve. Uh, game four tonight. Now that's going to be a six thirty tip, but. Nelly, I mean, we see how Drew Holiday have a little bit better of a game. Uh, Giannis, definitely the huge bounce back. I mean, 39 minutes for Giannis, 16-30 shooting, 9-12 from the charity stripe. It's always a good thing when Giannis can hit the majority of his free throws. 42 points. Um, what, was your, what, what was the takeaway? Just Giannis finally being the unstoppable force that we know the Greek freak is the, the, compared to the game, what, two? Well, I was, out, I was out golfing on Saturday, so we would we caught – the majority of the game either in the clubhouse bar and or at one of the guys houses. And it seemed like every single time that the bucks needed someone to make a play, it was their best player. It was Giannis. Yeah. And, and finally Giannis had a really good game. Yeah. Like we talked about it. You look at his numbers in the game one and game two, he was solid, but he didn't shoot a very high percentage. It, the numbers in the box score looked good, but the eye test, he really didn't pass it in those first two games, especially for being a guy that's supposed to be the best player in the NBA. Well, he came and brought it on Saturday. I mean, he shot over 50%. Yeah, Giannis was a Giannis was the Greek freak that we know and love. Giannis was absolutely incredible for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, it was him. It was taking down, what, yeah, Jason Tatum, what, only scoring 10 points. You had, what, Williams the third only scoring 10 points. It would be Jalen Brown again who was in Fuego. I mean, Jalen Brown has been a thorn in the side of the Bucks uh, for game two down to game three, 27 points. But if you can limit if you can limit a Jason Tatum rowdy to 10 points, 0-6 from beyond the arc, 4-19 shooting, you're going to be winning the series. Yeah, yeah, well, we were just talking about how Giannis was back. Giannis played his best game of the series. Celtics, their starters, you could argue either game three or game one was probably their worst. But I feel like this was a game when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and and the guys on their roster. I mean, you didn't get a very good game from Connaughton. Like he was all right, but you didn't get a good game from Grayson Allen. You didn't really get a great game from Bobby Portis. Those were some of the rotational players that were stepping up and making plays in those first two games. Mm -hmm. It was more Giannis. I almost feel like with how the Bucks played overall, with their role players not playing the best, big thumbs up because I feel like the Bucks stole that game. Hey, no, I mean no problems with them stealing the game, right? Like it doesn't matter. They don't ask how; they just ask how many. Right now, the Bucks had more points. One no, of three, one one. Oh yeah, they had to. It's great. I love the fact that they went and stole it. I mean, that's what you're going to have to do in the playoffs. We've seen blowouts. Now we've seen steals, and I'm sure we'll see some close affairs and and anything in between, you know, moving forward. But uh, with the steal, if you will, I mean, Giannis Dendekumbo getting it done, and Rowdy, 
what did you think of Drew? Eleven of thirty shooting for Drew Holiday. A lot He's of still volume. not shooting the ball very well. A lot of volume for Drew Holiday. Uh, the defense uh, money, but when it comes to the shooting, you really hope that he gets it around. And um, obviously, Chris Middleton's still out fighting that sprained MCL. I would love to know when Middleton's coming back. Now, Mike Budenholzer did not rule out the rest of this second round series. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, well, with more reports. Um, you know, looking at the box score around though, you had a you had a tough goal from the bench too. I mean, Grayson Allen, um, zero points. Wesley Matthews, three points. I know they don't That's shoot the rock as much. No one stepped up pretty much around Giannis. Yeah, you can say Drew Holiday had thirty, but I mean, Drew Holiday shot the ball thirty times. You know what I'm saying? Like he finished with 25 yeah. points, but he shot the ball 30 times. Yeah, no one really played that great of a game outside of Giannis, and then. Brooke Lopez got a little bit more volume than he had seen the last game. Yeah, what did he shoot the ball like three times last game? He, he shot yeah, the ball very twice. Twice. Hey, oof. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty much Giannis's game, and you saw that. Like I said, every time you looked up when we were watching the game, he was the one making a play, whether it was defensively or dunking the basketball. Yeah, totally. So Bucks going back at it. We'll dive more into it coming up here. Uh, Bucks back at it tonight. Uh, game number four again. At the Pfizer Forum, 630 tip. Very excited to see what happens. I hope the Bucks. Well, here's the thing, Rowdy. I mean, we, they already stole a game on the road. I Obviously, the Boston Celtics had it, have it in them to take a game at the Pfizer Forum. We saw almost with the tie with Al Holford and the tip in that almost was. Uh, but the Bucks, it's already a series. The Bucks went into game one at TD Garden and absolutely spanked the Boston Celtics. Now, in the second game, the Boston Celtics absolutely spanked the Milwaukee Bucks. I think what we saw... And I still don't think what we saw Saturday is close to what the Bucks are. So we saw a blowout from them and then them getting blowout. And then you said a game that they had stolen. I agree with you. They steal a game. I still don't think we've seen outside of that game one performance, a dominant effort from the Bucks um, when the Celtics had given them their best. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bucks haven't clicked on all cylinders. Yeah, they haven't because when Giannis was very inefficient, the rest of the team was playing really well. Now Giannis was really good. For the most part, the rest of the team wasn't very good. Yeah, but they're two and one, and if they can go in there and win tonight, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's a commanding three-one lead. Well, they need to win one more, and then you advance to the uh, the conference finals, which will be absolutely incredible. Uh, speaking of the NBA, really quick here, we had some more scores on Saturday. The Warriors take down the Grizzlies, one just a shellacking, one forty-two to one twelve. Warriors now up two to one in that series, and then yesterday, uh, out of the NBA's playoffs. The Dallas Mavericks get a 111-101 win over the Suns. That side at two apiece. Two apiece. Chris Paul followed out of that game. You, you get six fouls in the NBA. CP6. <laughs> and then uh, I want to get back to Chris Paul in a second. And then the 76ers, James Harden, have have yourself a game. 31 points for James Harden. I still don't get around to watching him. It's just so nauseating. But the 76ers tied up against the Heat, 116-108. to 108. That's tied at now two apiece. These NBA playoffs are getting a little contentious now. Uh, I thought maybe, like, you know, the Heat would run away with it and then the Suns would run away with it, but no, no, and now tied at two apiece. Chris Paul, so as, as much as everyone gives Grayson Allen guff, rowdy, and crap for being a dirty player and, and you know, just kind of being a thorn in everyone's eyes, I like Chris Paul, don't get me wrong, but is Chris Paul not a guy that is like maybe like – I mean, not a Grayson Allen, but a guy that's always a thorn in your side and just chirping and shoving and doing all kinds of stuff to get the edge? Or is that just me when I watch Chris Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And 
Why does everyone give Grayson Allen crap but never Chris Paul crap? Like there were there was times earlier in the postseason where he would do something kind of like almost like a, a a hip check or a shove or a shoulder, and kind of got away with it. Yeah, he's all he's always just chirping and 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 doing nefarious little things here and there. It's like how did. How are you getting away with this? Oh, yeah, because you're Chris Paul. That's what it is. The NBA playoffs, Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, ramping up in physicality. And, RJ, you're talking, too, about some, some flopping. It is the NBA. So you have the, you have the dramatics of the flops. But when, when you go from a team who, like, bragged about how physical they were being with Kevin Durant and the Nets and how physically dominant they were, Against these guys, and that's why they bounced. <laughs> to, well, are you seeing what Giannis is doing to us? How did those fouls? You shot seventeen more free throws <laughs> in the final. What was it? Six minutes. They shot a lot of free throws. Yeah, I think it was the last quarter and a half. the The last quarter and a half, the Bucks did not attempt one free throw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the physicality ramping up big time in the NBA's playoffs. It's I almost get almost 90s vibes from this series a little bit. Now, the flopping, obviously, not a 90s vibe. No. Uh, but it's like you took all those 90s guys and they just made them like clockwork orange, had their eyes wide open, and they just piped in <laughs> soccer, like EPL, European soccer to them. Uh, but the diving the diving is an issue, but it is what it is now in the NBA. But it is physical. And Giannis Dendekumbo was talking about how he loves feeling beat up. After a game, he he's the one doing the beating up. Yeah, I mean, he can't feel beat up after this. Like steamrolling through dudes. He's he's brushing into guys, and they're falling. There's no physicality there. And then when they want to get physical, and they end up standing their ground, they get called for blocks because, quite frankly, it is a block. Well, <laughs> I saw a lot of people freaking out about you know kind of the last second deal there with Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart yeah. with the quote-unquote foul on the floor that a lot of Boston fans and some NBA fans in general were claiming was a a shooting foul. So according to Jay King, who is a Boston Celtics reporter for The Athletic, here's his tweet about how the NBA ruled it. The NBA ruled that Drew Holiday's foul on Marcus Smart with 4.6 seconds left was correctly deemed a non-shooting foul. League said the contact came, quote, before Smart was bringing the ball upward towards the basket. The NBA also ruled that not only did Drew Holiday not extend his arm into Tatum or otherwise dislodge him Mm -hmm. before (laughs) Holiday's final bucket, but that Tatum should have been called for a foul on the play for grabbing Holiday's arm as Tatum was falling to the floor. And that that was the NBA's explanation for those two plays towards the end of the game. And then they were all upset when the the final sequence went where they missed the free throw. And then everybody was just batting the ball around. They're like, that's a foul! I'm like... Who are you calling it on? So, who are you calling it on? That could go either way by a lot of different people. So, the NBA has, uh, it's official.mba.com, and it's NBA officiating the last two-minute report. And it, I found this on Twitter. They said, uh, in a nutshell, the refs in Game 3 of the celtics Bucks series got five calls incorrect in the last two minutes of play. And... The majority, well, just barely, went in the Bucks' favor. It so says. you're saying yeah. three out of three out of the five went in yes. the Bucks' favor. So I mean, <laughs> in the final two minutes, yeah. 
It's, here's the and yet, thing. and yet, and yet, the Celtics shot 17 free throws to zero. Correct for the Milwaukee Bucks. For, for the Milwaukee Bucks in the last 18 minutes of the game. Correct. Yep. And then you see, um, it was a uh, this Twitter account that I tweeted it out. He's a guy. He's an NBA writer for uh, a couple different uh, publications, and everyone in the mention is like, "Wow, the refs wanted the Bucks to win this one." Obviously. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I take that back. Three of the five, excuse me, were in favor of the Boston Celtics. Oh, excuse me. Two, wow, okay. two of the five were in favor of the Bucks. Excuse me. Jeez. So I, uh, I read it wrong quickly. It's Monday, okay? Six forty in the morning. Uh, Giannis Dendakumo. We'll get to the phones momentarily here. I see the phones blowing up. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. But I don't know. Maybe it could just be this in why the Boston Celtics didn't win the game. The fact that in game one they couldn't hit any three pointers. And the Bucks won mm-hmm. with a very low, like Giannis was not efficient in game one. No. Mm-mm. And, but everyone else around him was really good at shooting the basketball. Mm-hmm. Boston could not hit any shots. Bucks win. Yeah. Game two, Giannis was not efficient. The guys around him were pretty solid. Once again, Celtics hit almost everything. Celtics win. Yeah. Game three, Giannis was efficient. All the guys around him weren't that great. Boston, Jason Tatum, 0 for 6 from 3. Yeah. Giannis Marcus the Terminator. Smart, 1 for 4 from 3. Jalen Brown, 1 for 5 from... I mean, you are three big-time guards. I guess you would, could consider uh, Tatum a, a forward. When you combine to go 2 for 15 from behind the arc, but then you're going to complain about fouls? Yeah. It's Yeah, exactly right. I mean, look at, look at the three-point... The Celtics were 9 of 33 from beyond the arc. And the Milwaukee Bucks were 9 of 34. I mean, it was the Giannis Dendekumo, give me the ball, I'm going to run downhill, I'm going to steamroll through whoever's in front of me, and I'm going to dunk it in your face. RJ mentioned about how Boston attempted so many more free throws the last quarter and a half than the Bucks. Just in the game in general, they shot twice as many free throws as the Bucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved it. I, I saw so many Celtics fans. But both teams were in the bonus. You know what that means. You get to shoot. Okay, yeah, both teams were in the bonus. Yes, we understand how basketball works. So why didn't the Bucks shoot any free throws? And then our guy, our guy Ram Jam. So we're out in Lacrosse now with beautiful Lacrosse, Wisconsin. But we also stream on Twitch, Twitch.tv. Search my name, Ebo says. Our guy Ram Jam, who's in Scotland, who has now uh, become a. We love you, Ram Jam. He's been on with, with us now like two years now, if not something like that. Something like that. He goes, "What happened right at the end? I thought the Celtics dude, i.e., Al Horford, touched the ball with point one seconds before the buzzer sounded. Why didn't it count?" Well, if you go watch Ram Jam, still in the hand. I know, I know, you're a little more greener in Scotland than we are here uh, in Wisconsin right now. Just the Highlands. Take take the green glasses off the Boston green. If you go watch it, Al Horford still had his fingers on the ball as the buzzer expired. Therefore, yeah. he didn't put up too much of a stink when it was called a no basket. Therefore, oh, it I thought, did not count. I thought it was pretty clear cut, and that wasn't that yeah. long of a review. Yeah, yeah. did not count. Uh, all right, we'll get to comments from Giannis upcoming. First, let's uh, go to the phones. Razor's Edge coming up, by the way. Uh, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, we do sports betting every day, 650 and 850. Nelly over here, Nelly, Rowdy, Nelson, he already had a winning week. How'd you ended up? Uh, so the, the Major League Baseball game we had Friday postponed due to rain, so finished the week three and one. Three and one. What a week for Rowdy. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Who do I got? Hey, good morning, guys. Steve. Hey, Steve. What's up, dude? Hey, RJ, Rowdy, and, and the Evo, the gang's all here, huh? In the house. And you, Steve, the four amigos. Uh, Not the three, the four amigos. <laughs> hey, I was, uh, I want to talk about the Bucks. Yeah. That game was, uh, that game was uh, tense for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
And I should expect it from Boston fans. They're like Philly and New York. Man, they, they really think they got jobbed on that game. Uh, you, 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 and if you know how those plays work, before that play, inbound play happened that was in question, Budenholzer likely told the ref, hey, we're going to fall and as soon as they touch the ball. Holiday probably told the ref, yeah, we're going to follow him. So the ref is heads up because, you know, the ref, it takes a, a, a fraction of a second or whatever to, to blow the whistle, too. And uh, and I, I thought, I'm trying to look at it objectively through my Bucks classes, and, <laughs> and he really did get fouled. He really did get fouled before he launched in the shot. Yeah. Now, the the guy receiving the the ball to shoot, um, he he knows he's going to get fouled. Right, and so he has a. It's a pressure on him too because he can't be in such a hurry to to receive the ball and load up a shot before he gets fouled that he fumbles that ball. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So all, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in that play. But afterwards, you hear him talk. Oh, you, you saw it. What did you see? You know, it doesn't matter what you saw. It matters what how what the ref when he called that when he called that. And what I what I couldn't see from the clips is did he ever actually get off a shot? Oh, um. I he guess it depends on your definition of a shot and the NBA continuation. I'd consider it more of a flail. Yeah, <sighs> it was more. It was more of a let me throw my arms up like a college foul, oh. you know, to say I was at the basket and I, I, I would, I took a shot. Little, everybody saw little it. Little acting. It was almost yeah. like James Harden's drive to the hoop, but from behind the three point line. Because well, you see, <laughs> you see in the NBA all the time. You see guys that that. Uh, try to they know they're going to get fouled and they're like not yeah. even close to shooting range yeah. as soon as the ball touches their hand they, they make it like they're shooting the ball yeah, they, and they flail never their arms up they flail their yeah. arms up yeah they never call it they never call it but when you look at the discrepancy in the in the free throw shooting um they're they didn't lose a game because of that call no. but you you think they would they lost the game because tatum duncan yeah. that really bodes well for the bucks because when he, he, they're in his head or something, man. He yeah. he really. Well, Giannis says he, here's why they lost, Steve. Jason Tatum, like you said, sucked. He had ten points, and Giannis Antetokounmpo put his head down and drove to the basket and was unstoppable. And. When you look at it, they and they're complaining. The other thing they complained about how Giannis is, gets away with everything. And and when you, look, I didn't know this, but they, uh, I read the stats. He gets called by far, far for far many more offensive fouls than anybody in the NBA. Yeah. If you looked at was over the years that he's played, um, he's he leads by far in offensive fouls. So um, I don't know what the Bucks are getting when you look at it an advantage by the referees at all. But I know if we we're in the same position, we'd probably be bitching too with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but here's. The thing we're not, Steve. So, well, yeah. Steve, I saw it was earlier in the playoffs. I saw a regular season uh, fouls for free throws per game per player. Giannis, for supposedly a lot of people now saying he's the best player in the NBA, didn't even finish in the top five for most free throws attempted in a game. But Philly had two guys in the top five with Embiid and Harden. Then obviously you you had uh, LeBron James. I can't remember who exactly rounded out the top five, but those three were both on there. Giannis wasn't even the top five. And when you look when you look at any game, I don't care if it's football. You you run the game over. You there's fouls, there's penalties yeah. that could have get called and For that sure. weren't called. It goes all over the place. So, but I think it's good because the chills were really Boston's really worried now. They were really in, really in their head, and that that makes tonight really really a critical game. Yeah. How big would it be to to be up another game huge? Goal? I mean, the, I mean that, that game one Boston. was gigantic with winning in TD Garden right away. That that's when the Bucks got in their head right away. You went in TD Garden and you stomped them, and now they're now they're sweating. 
Yeah, and I don't think we really played a great game in the last no. game. I think we could we didn't shoot very well. Um, I don't know what the hell happened to Grayson Allen. Um, he, we got to boo him more. We got to boo him more to motivate him. They're, they're not that, that that does concern me. Their <laughs> their shooting percentage is low, and uh, that keep yeah. that re- they really kept that game closer than it had to be. Yeah. Too. Hey, Steve, you know, they, they getting a win tonight, my friend. Yes, they are. Hell yeah, Steve, you're the man, brother. Happy Monday. Thanks. Same to you guys. See, Take see care. Steve. Good stuff. Nice hearing from you. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Go, Puck. Hey, Charlie, down the middle, Johnson. What's up, What's dude? Up, bro? What's happening? How's your How's your weekend, Charlie? You don't want to know. <laughs> well, tell me. Right. Just give me a little snippet. Nah, I think we're okay. Remember that Janet Jackson song? <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I had worst mother days ever. <laughs> Our sports director, Zach Heilprin, the ray of sunshine in my dark and dreary life. Good morning, Zach. Hey! Good morning. Hey, sorry about that. I just uh, hit the wrong button there. It's a Monday, you know? Oh. I just figured, I mean, I, I just figured you didn't want to talk to me. No, I always want to talk to you. That's why we got you on. Uh, by the way, yeah. Zach, we are now on in the beautiful city that is La Crosse, Wisconsin, WKTY. First, Zach, you're our first guest with a new affiliate, WKTY. How does it feel, my friend? Love it. Love lacrosse. Love the Grant Bill show. Yeah, the Wisco Sports Grant Show. The Wisco Sports Show. Love it. Uh, have uh, enjoyed being on with him the last, last few years, and now we get to bring uh, you and, and Nelly to yes, them all the time. Yes, it's yes. Awesome. Uh, of the habitual line steppers that we are. Hey, Zach, so our sports director, Zach Hopper, joining us, the fountain of knowledge of everything Wisconsin sports. Zach, you were up at rookie minicamp for the Green Bay Packers on Friday, correct? How did it see? How did it feel and, and see to have the guys come in and experience Lambeau and the surrounding area for the first time? Well, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a dream come true for them. Um, <laughs> Not for you? <laughs> uh, I've seen some football practices the last month or so. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there, there wasn't a ton there. Like, they didn't do any 11-on-11. They did some one-on-one drills, and we got to see them in their jerseys and their, in their Packers helmets for the first time. And, and that's obviously very exciting for, for them. And it's exciting for fans to see them for the first time. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know if you learned a ton about them, but you, we did get to like, talk to them. For the first like, time, what do they do? Cool. Are they, what do they do yeah. when we're there on Friday? Um, again, it's you mean like the entirety of the day? Or yeah, are they just like pushing like a uh, like a blocking sled around and getting their numbers yeah, or something? So, or? Yeah, like then the guys are holding pads and they'll do like they did one on one. You know, receivers and in, in corners and receivers and safeties, receivers working on on. Uh, routing routes and that type of thing. So they did that type of stuff. And we saw some impressive catches like Danny Davis, former Wisconsin guy, uh, went deep, beat his guy oh, easy, yeah. beat his guy easy. And, but the ball was underthrown. Well, who was so throwing the ball? Back. Was Matt LaFleur throwing the ball? I think I saw. He, he was. They also had Danny Etling, uh, <laughs> who's one of the, yeah, one of the other quarterbacks that's on the team. I would call him the fourth string quarterback at this point. They also have, had another guy. So like the ball was underthrown. Danny had to come back and like, he made a great play on the ball with the guy in his lap. And, um, you know, one of the other receivers, uh, Romeo Dobbs had, had a, a couple of really good reps like that. That's the type of stuff. Um, Quay Walker had an interception and a pass breakup. Like those are the type of things you're, you're seeing, um, with the practices. Oh, good. Rowdy. No, I was just saying it makes sense. Uh, if Danny Etling was playing quarterback that, uh, Quay Walker would be able to pick, <laughs> pick him off and, you know, what didn't he struggle at Purdue I, and then headed to yeah. LSU? 
Yeah. I think the I think the more impressive thing there is just you know Quay Walker sticking with the guy uh, that he was covering. He was covering a running back, uh, I believe it was Tyler Goodson from Iowa, who you know was pretty quick, and Quay Walker made him look not very quick. And so <laughs> I think that's probably more so the uh, impressive aspect of some of the things that he was able to do as opposed to the quarterback he was playing. But yes, Danny Etling, uh, not exactly um, Kurt Benkert. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I have no idea. Uh, so, uh, Zach, when it comes to uh, real quick before uh, we get to the NIL topic, that just seems to be, you know, just ruling with an iron fist these past couple of days here. So the two Georgia boys uh, that were in what you got, uh, who we were just talking about, Quay Walker and then uh, Devontae Wyatt. Were they getting acclimated to the Wisconsin weather then? I mean, Saturday was a nice day, but Friday's still a little cold. Did, did you get, did you, could you tell if any Georgia boys were still shuddering from the cold a little bit at all? They they probably probably were. I mean, I I went up there with a, with a jacket and a shorts on, and I was cold as hell. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm, it was windy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they probably were a little bit shell-shocked, but they they played in some – cold weather a little bit at some point, I'm sure, uh, at some points in their career, but I'd imagine. Yeah. They, you know, Eric still probably has them all like, yeah, this is, this is summer in Wisconsin at 60 degrees and, and, uh, and windy. They might've been a little chilled. I was on the golf course getting sunburned. Well, that's kind of what you do. Well, um, at least it wasn't third deg- or self-diagnosed third degree burns. No third degree. And at least you showed up to work the next day. Like, yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, well, it was on Saturday, your, so maybe I appreciate, your, <laughs> I appreciate your commitment to the show, Nelly. Hey, I also got a little burnt, not as bad as I already did. Get a little, look at your hand right there. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I got a little pinkish hue to me, Zach. Oh, uh, Zach, by the way, we do have some breaking news right now. So uh, real quick before uh, I get to the breaking news. Just real riveting stuff there, yeah, for rookie minicamp for the was it eleven yeah. draft picks, fourteen undrafted free agents, and some some walk ons. Yes, I think that's uh, what it was. Yeah, under yeah, some trial guys. Yeah, yeah, some trial guys. All right, breaking news. I'm going to do with you, Zach. Breaking news: a Woj bomb. As we talk about it live at the WOZN studios with our sports director, Zach Goffman, Denver, Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic, the Joker, has just been named the NBA's most valuable player for a second consecutive season. A formal announcement expected this week. No, Giannis, Zach. No Giannis for MVP? What the hell? So they would have, like, without Nikola Jokic, they wouldn't have made the playoffs? They wouldn't have gotten knocked out in the first round? Is that what, I mean? It, <laughs> hey, it's not I mean, a postseason I, award, okay? He's, right, but, like, you put what you do in the regular season puts you in position for the playoffs. Like, I, I, I understand it. I also think he'll never win MVP again. I mean, this is kind of the honest now. You get it two years in a row, you yeah. never win it again. Um uh, I mean, you could make an argument for a stretch there in the early, you know, late 2000s, early, you know, uh, 2010s that LeBron James is the best player every year. And he, I think he won it, what, three times, four times in total. It's like a uh, fatigue, MVP fatigue. Yes, exactly. So Nikola Jokic will never win it again. And uh, it's hilarious. Joel Embiid still hasn't won it. Um, and I'm sure he's <laughs> still upset about it. Oh, I guarantee he's probably firing right off some tweets right now. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, so breaking news right there. Zach, before I let you go, get news of the weird coming up here. I wanted to ask you a little bit more of this NIL, uh, the name, image, likeness. You had Greg Gard on your show with Ben, uh, Kenny, and Heilprin on Thursday, 6 to 7, and Gardo talking about you know how they're really not going to change their values and what they do, their morals when it comes to you know 
getting players to come in. Uh, now that we've had a couple of days to sit on it and think about it, is Wisconsin in a bad place if they don't kind of do what the likes of uh, bigger schools are doing? Or is this just Wisconsin's M.O.? You find these three, four-star recruits, maybe you get some fi- like a couple five-stars once in a while, and you just hope and fingers crossed and pray that you beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game once a decade? Like, what's what's the status on Wisconsin? Now we've got a couple of days to think about it. Yeah, well, I, I um, have heard that there's some things in play were in works in the works, not Wisconsin uh, putting them together because they can't, but uh, some outside groups um, putting some things together that uh, they're, they're hopeful that they're going to be able to start being able to offer some of these things that these other places are offering. Now, now I don't think it's ever going to be at the level that they are at some of these schools where it's in the millions of dollars uh, giving to guys, but I've, I have heard that there's a, uh, there's at least some planning, some at least some talking behind the scenes about, um, making it happen. And I think the UW would probably be on board with some of it. Um, if it's not just strictly pay for play, cause that's just not something they're ever going to be uh, involved with. I think the bigger thing is the NCAA is sending out some of these or is uh, expected to approve some, uh, I don't want to say sanctions, but uh, some changes mm-hmm. um, or guidelines that they, that these, that these schools must follow. And perhaps, you know, retroactively going after boosters and that type of stuff that have, offered pay for play and offered things uh, for team for guys to come and play at their school. Now, whether you believe that they're actually be able to enforce that or not, I think that's probably uh, up for debate. <laughs> I'd probably say no. So in terms of Wisconsin, can they compete at a national level? I think it becomes a whole much, a whole lot tougher than it has been in the last, what, uh, 15 years, yeah. you know, to be able to compete at a national level and compete for a national championship. If, uh, if they're they're steadfast and they're you know we're not gonna we're not gonna involve ourselves with this type of stuff. So but, the have and the have nots. You would would you say Wisconsin more of the have not side of things, and the haves will get more, and the have nots will just continue to have not. Or where is Wisconsin I, in that? Somewhere in I, between. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know they, where they are. I mean, the type of money. I mean, the, the, the way, where they competed, where they have competed. I I think they are a part of the haves. Like I mean, it's not they're not at the national level of haves, right? They're not in the national. They're not. Clemson or Alabama or anything like that, but there's only a, a few schools that are that. I think they're probably in the next tier, wouldn't you say? Like, and probably, we've always talked about their tier two straddling the tier one line, maybe. Yeah. So, um, do I think that they can ever be that without uh, offering some of this other stuff? Probably not. But again, we have no idea what we, this was. This has been in place for a year, and it's actually changed the landscape of college uh, yep. athletics. Yep. What will it look like next year? we'll find out. Zach, always a pleasure. Glad you could be our first guest on in a beautiful city that is La Crosse, Wisconsin, and the surrounding area. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your golden voice across this beautiful state of ours, my friend. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> See you, buddy. There he is, our guy Zach Halperin. Follow him on Twitter, at Zach Halperin. All kinds of great podcasts from him, from The Swing, which is Wisconsin basketball, The Camp, which is Wisconsin football. We did have this thing called the Kentucky Derby. Did you put on a funny hat? Drink a mint julep, get absolutely loaded, and watch some horses not try to be turned into glue? I I did not put on a funny <laughs> hat, and I did not go to any specific Kentucky Derby party, but I was out and about, especially on Saturday, for a buddy's birthday where we did a little golf scramble and then went back to his place, you know, cooking up the uh, brats, hamburgers, and yeah. some big old fat that T-bone steaks. steaks. But... <laughs> But yes, we did watch the Kentucky Derby. All right, what did a, not, I didn't out of all people, I did not have any money on it. Well, I'm glad you didn't, Rowdy, because I don't know if you'd had Rich Strike 
in 80 to one. And what this horse wasn't even going to be in the race. So that was the funny thing. So we're sitting around, right? And everyone's like, 80 to one. Oh, I got so-and-so to win, or I got so-and-so to, to place. And it was pretty and funny. White Arborio. Obviously nobody, nobody mentioned rich strike. No, I don't even think rich strikes. Uh, the jockeys closest family members even thought so. Well, I heard, I heard that they had just, that that horse was just purchased for not too long ago for like 30 grand. For real? Or was that a joke? No, no, no. Like to train the horse and everything. Oh, really? It was like, it was like 30 grand to take care of this horse. Rich strike. He just won like almost $3 million. <laughs> Wasn't that what the payout was? I think that's a pretty good return on the investment. Yeah. Something like that. And that's, and that's not even, I think it was two or $3 million. Oh, person, 1.86 yeah, million. Almost $2 million. So that's not even talking about studding the horse out now. Oh, now, stud you have fees? A, now you have a Kentucky Derby winner. Now it's time to get the getting. Bow chicka bow wow. Yes. Uh, Rich Strike was not entered into the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Saturday evening, the 80 to 1 shot was a champion of the 148th Kentucky wasn't, Derby. Yeah, wasn't uh, Rich Strike not even supposed to be in the original field until other horses were scratched? Something like that, dude. It was. Let's see here. Rich Strike found out his horse would be running in the Derby about 30 seconds before the Friday morning entry deadline. Wow. Ethereal Road scratch. Open the door for Rich Strike, whose owner and trainer had already made plans to begin training this week and the week that happened in New York for the Belmont Stakes. 30 seconds before the deadline closed, and then this happened. Zozos is next after three quarters in one minute, 10 and four foot seconds, and now epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Which strike is like the fifth to last right him. now. Cyberknife sweeps up to the outside. Now he's Sanctum moving up. Which strike's run. moving. And they're into the stretch. It is Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter's got a huge lead. has taken the lead. Huge. As they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming And there goes his strike. Epicenter is Sandin. These two. Out of that guy's voice was wild. Well, I so you know some of these horses that are like historical, like the Sea Biscuits of the World, yeah. California Chrome Secretariats, yeah. oh yeah, like all the Triple Crowned uh, winners. I saw uh, a stat on with Rich Strike winning that one. It was nowhere near as fast as Secretariat. Now I know that the it was a little rainy and a little muddy on the track. So it wasn't like it was the best conditions, uh-huh. but I did see a stat where they said secretariat would have beaten rich strike by over 13 lengths. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And that was the champion this year. All right, Rowdy, we have, uh, okay, here's the thing. We have a guy who calls in named Charlie, who's always constantly just annihilated off of drinking ice house. I know for a fact that I said, I, I asked him if these horses sound like winners White Abario was one of them. Did I ask Charlie about Rich Strike? Because our our booze hound, our other booze hound, Knutson just hit us up. So didn't Charlie tell you to take Rich Strike? No, he did not. It was White Abario, and I asked him about another yeah, one. Yeah, you never. No one mentioned Rich Strike again. It, it, no one even knew that they were going to be in the race until Friday afternoon. Yeah, so I wouldn't have said Rich Strike. I'll, I'll go back and listen. I'll go back and listen to the air check. I. 
I, Rich Strike wasn't even in the field. Yeah, I'm like 99.999% sure at the time of our show on Friday, Rich Strike was not even in the field. But if I go back and listen and there is a Rich Strike brought up and I didn't put money down on it, I am going to... Mm. I'm going to lose I'll, it. I'll put a heavy wager on no, yeah. it was not mentioned. So I saw a comment. I see the phone lines blowing up. One second. Uh, the comment here of the video I just played, this guy I know says, reminds me of Dale Earnhardt on last lap of Talladega. If this is not the epitome of never give up, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> but yeah, that, that video is crazy. <laughs> Did you just compare that to Dale Earnhardt? The video is crazy how this is a horse that's 80 to 1, wasn't supposed to be in the field, and then you're watching the video it's towards the back of the pack and and it's yeah. not like it's not like they were all bunched up in a really clo- close race like it was pretty far back there and then all of a sudden made a huge huge huge, huge strike even, we'll call it a strike to the top yeah what's like, i don't know the correct vernacular of that either like the huge surge. surge he's like i ain't getting turned into glue I'm I'm winning this damn thing, but Secretariat would have beat him by how many? 13, 13 lengths. Judas, Secretariat. Damn. Let's go to the phones. Good, no, good he morning. He was also on, uh, he had uh, enlarged heart. Oh, yeah. There's that. Good morning. Who's this? Line one. Hello. Going once. Going twice. Hello. Oh, Hello. hey. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Boys, this is Sean. How are you guys? Oh, Sean, what's up, dude? Um, I was just, I think Rowdy was just talking about, it. I was going to ask you guys saw the overhead video of it. Yeah. I was it just watching crazy it. how far back, right? Like he's like stuck behind this pack and like two horses in front of him sort of move out and he just takes off. It's like, insane. It it's insane. It's Sean, crazy. I'm watching it right he now. Was, he's the, he's the fourth to last horse uh, when the <laughs> video picks up. And then it's like, he's just muddling around, uh, meddling around like way back in the pack. And all of a sudden the dude just goes, I ain't going to be in Elmer's today. And he just and, flies. <laughs> And he's, yeah, he's like fourth to last with like on the last turn, like just flies. Listen, I'm not a horse. I'm not like a horse racing guy. I don't really even get down. Like I'll watch it and rewatch it like I'm doing right now. But this is electric. This is crazy. It is crazy. And like you probably have seen these comments too. The announcer didn't even realize that he was coming up until like three strides before the end. Now, are you a horse guy? Do you get down with this stuff like Sean? Not, I mean, once a year. I'll watch the Derby and I'll watch the Belmont just to see if the Triple Crown's in play. Yeah, but for, for sure. Generally, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like everybody else where it's fun to pretend like you are yeah. into horses. That's just an excuse to drink. You know? It's basically yeah, right? everyone yeah. gets together for the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, does their thing, grills out, drinks, whatever, their little party. And then maybe half those people, maybe, <laughs> tune in for the Belmont just to see if the Triple Crown uh, can. And by the time it's the the Preakness, most of the time Triple Crown's out of it. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Sean, anything else on your mind, my brother? No, props to you guys for getting on on the cross. If you're listening on the cross, you guys are in for a treat. Yeah, because uh, they get to hear you once in a while, Sean. Usually you're a Friday yeah. caller, you know? Yeah, wow, I'm, you noticed that. I'm hey, surprised. Listen, yeah. it took a little bit. It took a little bit for me to remember your voice and get the name Couldn't right. Remember the name, but he remembered your pattern of calling. Yeah, but but well, now yeah, but now that now that you're in, Sean, now it's like I'm stalking you. Okay. Well, well, at least at least I'm not going to get like a Charlie reputation. So I feel all right about that. So, <laughs> or, or like Polly, the sober Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Sean, nice hearing from you, man. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys. See, you, buddy. Good stuff. Listen, I'm not a horse guy. Like, in fact, I always thought like the you know growing up. When you got the, like the horse, you know, like the horse girl. Did you ever, have, did you ever have, like a horse girl or two, a couple horse girls in your grade, Rowdy? I think every, I think every grade, every school has at least always one. a little strange, right? Always just a little. For my personal experiences, always just a little strange. 
So I never would gravitate towards like the horse type of thing. But I'll tell you, once a year, like Rowdy said, I'll get down to the Kentucky Derby. Well, the other thing is they, they do such a hype and for And the it, horse right? people out there, live it up. All, all like the showmanship for the horses and the jockeys and the trainers and the owners. And it's all hyped up for like an hour. And then they go and run and it's two minutes. Yeah, then it's over. So everyone's sitting there talking like, hey, when's this derby going down? When's this derby going down as you get later into the afternoon? Mm-hmm. And you got the Bucks game on. <laughs> and they're literally talking about this two-minute race for hours. Hours. And then they run. You see who the winner is. Then they flash up the standings about who top three was. And then the channel gets changed. Yeah. It's like you could watch like the end of the Bucks game. The end of the Bucks game against the Celtics. The final, what, 30 seconds probably takes... 20 minutes, you could get, you could get like freaking eight Kentucky derbies thrown in there in that time frame before the Bucks even come back from a commercial break for the final 30 seconds of a game. Was Aaron Rodgers at the Kentucky Derby, by the way? I know there's a, a bet out if he was at the Derby or not. I never saw a picture if he was there. I have no idea, but we also weren't watching the coverage that closely because we were watching the Bucks game. So, yeah. Here's what we're going to do, Rowdy. Talk some Milwaukee Brewers. Now, uh, leading into the Atlanta Braves series, absolutely demolishing the Cincinnati Reds. What, 11 home runs? How many runs did they score? 30, 34, 34 in three games. My God. And then you go to the weekend series against the Atlanta Braves, and the quality of competition definitely gets raised up a little bit here. Brewers do take one on Friday, 6-3. to three. That was a nice little game for the crew. A uh, real recap on the Friday game, Rowdy. Um I mean, Lauer looked pretty good. Yeah. The the Brewers in general just put a ton of guys on base. Like, Brewers look good on Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. And then um, it was the Saturday game. The Brewers could have won this. Instead, they fell. Uh, that would be, what, 3-2 to two over the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, this was a winnable game. Obviously, Corbin Burns was on the mound, again, threw a phenomenal game, but took an L. And Brewers, lower, lowered his ERA. Yeah, correct? Brewers really didn't do anything offensively until the last three innings. And yeah, Burns entered the game with an ERA of 1.93, actually lowered it with his performance down to 1.86, but took the L. And like uh, we were talking about earlier, he so far this season is probably this year's Brandon Woodruff, where sure. the Brewers as a team going into yesterday were averaging over 4.8 runs per game, which actually was second in the big leagues. Now, for Corbin Burns, though, they were averaging a little over, I think it was two and a half. Yeah. Dude, uh, Luis Arias, by the way, in two hits on Saturday. How about Luis Arias that he's been back in this lineup for the Milwaukee Brewers? Dude is batting 353. That's pretty nice, right? Oh, I mean, he's come back and he's gotten a hit in almost every single game that he's played in. Mm-hmm. And now that's been six games. And I think you can see that he's brought a little bit of life back into this offense. Now, I'm not going to give him credit for Rowdy Telez's eight RBI game or, you know, or Willie Adamas going multi uh, multi home run games here lately. But yeah, he he's come back and giving him a little bit of energy and it's, it's nice to have Luis Arias back because it's finally a guy that's going to be there every day at third base. It's not a journeyman in Jace Peterson, and it's not a quadruple A player in Mike Brasso. Hey, Brasso got a, he was the reason why the Brewers got a couple runs or a run. I should say yesterday Brewers do fall 
last night or last afternoon, what, nine to two. And that game was ugly. You knew yeah, that game fun. was over early, right? When all of a sudden Ashby's walking a bunch of guys and you throw in a couple different errors and it's like some plays that probably should have been made that they weren't. And they're not even considered errors. Dude, how many errors did they have in the series against the Braves? Seven total errors in three games against the Braves. That's disgusting. It, it was not very pretty baseball and still a couple different things go their way. They're very close to winning that series because they, they definitely Seven won. errors. They definitely won Friday night. Saturday was a coin flip with how well uh, both pitchers were pitching. And then Sunday, you let it go away. Uh, but the Brewers, just in general, this series, sloppy baseball. Four for 23 with runners in scoring Ooh. position. That's good enough for 174 batting average with runners in scoring position. They left 19 guys on base. It was a game where they, it was a weekend series where they didn't play well on the road against the reigning champ. That is a little beat up that bullpen for the the Braves. That was really good yeah. in last year's playoffs has been off to a bad start. And you have to remember Ronald Acuna, arguably their best player. He, he's just getting back the last week he, or two. He was bringing it yesterday. From, yeah, from an ACL injury. So he's only been back for like maximum two weeks. And they lost some big-name players like Freddie Freeman, yeah, who's Freddie kind of the, the leader in their clubhouse. You know, the Jock Petersons, a.k.a. Brewer Killer. Yeah. He's no longer there. But, yeah, it's still going to be a solid team when you look up at the end of the year and say, sure. hey, where did the Braves finish in the NL East? It's still going to be a pretty solid team. They're just a little beat up here on the pitching side and with their best player coming uh, just coming back from uh, injury. Yeah. They'll be better at the end of the year, but yeah, disappointing series, but it's definitely a series you could have easily won and you didn't play well. Yeah. And you're on the road too. I mean, you're, you're away from American family field, but now the reds come back in. Yeah. Cincinnati. This is where the Brewers once again, they got to, they got to feast on the reds. You got to feast on the lower level teams. And they've done that. Are you nervous about the reds? Won a series over the weekend. They beat the pirates two out of three. You're getting a little, little scared of the five and 23 reds. Rowdy. Back to slump busting. Not really, but I will say this. The reds do match up a little bit better with the Brewers this go around in Cincinnati better than the pitching matchups that they had at uh, American Family Field the first uh, series of the season but I mean overall Woody's on the mound tonight we've talked about how the Milwaukee Brewers have played a lot of these bad teams aka the Reds the Pirates and the Cubs quite a bit already this season hey that's the division they're in it is the division they're in but they've also taken care of business against those teams they're 3-0 and against the Reds they're 6-0 and against the Pirates and they're 3-3 three and three against the Cubs. And I just checked the weather report for Cincinnati. It's going to be nice and sunny with a high uh ooh 79, but later on in the night we're going to get 7 yeah, we're going to high 70s rowdy for this baseball game starting at 5:50. The it's the weather's heating up and when the weather heats up, the ball starts to fly a little more. Well, especially against the Reds, yeah, especially in Cincinnati too. Yeah. And oof, the Brewers, I'm feeling it, dude. I'm feeling another sweep. So I don't see why not. Let's get greedy again. When you look at the pitching matchup, tonight's matchup is Brandon Woodruff versus, versus Luis Castillo, and you would say on paper, obviously Brandon Woodruff is the better pitcher. Yes. Now Castillo does have some pretty big home road splits where he's much better at home, and he's had some success against the Brewers. Now it's also a guy that he's been in the division for a while, so the Brewers have seen him quite a bit. Obviously you have to favor the Brewers, but Castillo's when Castillo's on, Castillo's a pretty good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Now game two tomorrow night, 
you got to look at Freddie Peralta versus Hunter Green. So Freddie Peralta is an interesting case study, especially in the first inning. His ERA is over eight in the first inning. This is one on paper. The Brewers have to go out and win. Freddie Peralta by far. Now he has struggled, like you said, by far the better pitcher than Hunter Green, who was a overall number one pick few years back, and he's a kid that can throw 100 yeah, miles an hour. he's a flamethrower. But he's so raw. He's, he's he's a guy that probably shouldn't be in the big leagues right now. The Reds are just as bad as they are and decided to uh, go with three rookies in the rotation. And then when you look at Wednesday morning, 1135. <laughs> yeah. 1135 yeah. first pitch. You have Adrian Hauser versus Vladimir Gutierrez again. That's another advantage Milwaukee. On paper, Pitching with the pitching matchups, Milwaukee should win probably all three games, but I'll say looking at it, this is a, a series where clearly they need to go in and take two out of three. Yeah. And if you win the first two, get greedy and look for a sweep. And this is the Brewers. Well, they got a nine game road stand here, three against the Braves, three against the Reds. Then they finish it three in Miami against the fish, the Marlins. And then Rowdy, they come home and guess who comes back? The Atlanta Braves. So you got the Braves coming in uh, certain next Monday, but right now Brewers on their little road trip, still juggernaut supreme in the NL Central. I and mean, they have a two and a half game lead. Yeah, they're nineteen and ten. Cardinals are nineteen, or I'm um, sorry, sixteen and twelve. Pirates eleven and sixteen. The Chicago Scrubs, hilarious, nine and eighteen. They stink. And then the Reds, five and twenty three. And that's after a two game win streak. <laughs> They're, they're getting hot, Rowdy. But, I mean, looking around Major League Baseball just in general, you have the Mets who are a half game better than the Brewers. You have the Dodgers who are sitting there a little bit better than the Brewers, too. Now, the Dodgers have only played 26 games. Yeah. Brewers have played 29. But outside of that, you got to take a look around. The only other team in the big leagues that's currently better than them are the Yankees. So you have the Yankees, Dodgers, and Mets. Top three teams in baseball. Brewers slide in at number four. Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation. I was in the gym on Friday, and this was after they had uh, taken down the Reds, swept the Reds. I heard an interesting conversation I want to bring up. I was in the free weight room, Rowdy, at the Princeton Club East side, and there was some. Uh, there was a guy wearing a Brewers shirt, and another guy came up and started talking some Brewers with him very loudly. There's there's nothing that bugs me more in the gym than people like throwing their weights around or like scream talking. And these guys were in a very passionate conversation about the Milwaukee Brewers, and I was just sitting there like a fly on the wall. Um, kind of listening, kind of not, you know, just minding my own business, but they're so loud that I could hear their conversation. And this dude was adamant. He was, I'm a diehard Brewers fan, but the Brewers stink. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world can you honestly say that? As the Brewers at the time were, what, 16? Uh, they had 16 wins under their belt, good for first place in the NL Central, uh, only had eight losses, so they're 16 and eight, uh, 17, something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what what's wrong with this guy? Like what? What's going on here? Actually, they would have been, they would have been eighteen, eighteen wins because they only got one win over the the Braves in the series. So the other guys like, what do you mean they're first place in the NL Central? They're winning games. Like, yeah, but they're not playing anyone. They just beat the Reds. They just beat the Cubs. They just beat the Pirates. They stink, Rowdy. What what is what does this faction of the fan base of the Milwaukee Brewers want the Brewers to do? Apologize. For beating a team like the Reds, forfeit games to say, you know what? It's 2022. We got to cater to everyone's needs and make sure everyone's feelings aren't hurt. So we're going to give the Reds a couple wins. Like, what are the what does this faction of the fan base want the Brewers to do? Well, you can just go lay down, go right through their schedule, and the first series of the game with the of the season with the Chicago Cubs, it ended up turning into a three game series because of a rained out game. They lost 
two out of three. So they started the season one and two. Now that was a, they, they were poor. They were absolutely poor in those series. They were lucky to win a game. Mm-hmm. Like you had Burns, you had Woodruff and you had Peralta all go and pitch horribly, especially when they're supposed to be three out of the top 10 starting pitchers in the NL, right? Yep. Or at least that's what last year told us. They were awful. They went one and two. They, they scavenged one game. They then go to Baltimore and they win two out of three. It's exactly what you would hope for a lowly Baltimore Orioles team. That's not trying to be that competitive. Yeah. A team that hasn't been competitive in years. You went in, won the series. Now, you didn't sweep them, but sweeping people, that's just getting greedy. You lo- hey, two out of three ain't bad, just ask Meatloaf, RIP. You then go home and play the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that is projected to probably be in the playoffs this year, correct? Mm. Or at least have a really good shot at being a wild card. It's a, f- it's a four-game series. You got to split. Now, would you would you have liked to win three out of four games? Of course. Yes, but in Major League Baseball, especially playing a go- another good team, a split isn't awful. Like a split is kind of what you would expect going into there. Yeah, it's baseball. You then go to Pittsburgh, sweep the lowly pirates doing better than w- the expectation would be just to win the series. You yeah, swept you them. them. Then you go and play Philly at Philly. You take two out of three. Philly is like that team. That'll probably be like 80 and 82. When we look up in the seasons, all done. like there'll be around a 500 team. You went in and won that series. Mm-hmm. Then you had that little weird sandwich game with the San Francisco should, Giants. Should have won that. Where that was where they had to go from uh, home in Miller Park to a weekend series in Philly, yep, then fly then, back. Yep. Or, sorry, American Family Field, then fly to Pittsburgh. Because it was that sandwich series where they're making up the doubleheader yeah, against San yeah, Francisco later in the the season. The delayed start of you the took season. a loss there. It's a one. It's one sandwiched game against a team that's one of the better teams in in baseball. Then you go to Pittsburgh, sweep them again. So again, playing better than expected. They they swept. Then they go to uh, American Family Field and take on the Cubs. Win two out of three. Yep. Again, win another series against the team you're supposed to. And then we go into this last week. And obliterate. You, you absolutely annihilate the Cincinnati Reds. I, I, know you beat the them, I know you swept them, beat them three times, but they scored so many runs they could have beat them nine times. You then play Atlanta at Atlanta. This is the reigning champ, a team that probably could be in the mix for a wild card when the season's over. Totally. And they're just, they won. They haven't been healthy in the bullpen this year, and they haven't been good. Two, their best player has just recently come off an ACL injury, mm-hmm. and he's just starting to get back into the mix. You played horribly. Seven and you errors. Still, you still salvaged one game, and it, we're right there in winning two of them. Seven errors, Rowdy. So my question for the fan base, the, the part of it that's like, well, they, they stink. They have, who have they played? That's what I kept hearing. Well, who have they played? They haven't played anyone. Here's the thing. The Brewers are in the NL Central. The Brewers have to play who's in their division. The Brewers have to play who's ever on their schedule. It's not their fault that the teams they're playing with are suspect, like the Reds or the Pirates or the Cubs. Go blame the GM of the Cubs. Go blame the GM of the Pirates. Go blame the GM of the Reds. Don't blame the Brewers for taking care of business, doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's handle their business and beat the lowly teams and then go see what happens against the better teams. Well, I mean, just look at the rest of this month. What, are you going to apologize for winning? Never. You play the lowly Reds again for three games. Then you go to Miami, which Miami, will, in my opinion, will probably be close to another 500 type team at the end of the year right now. They're a team that will probably be close to 80 wins. They're not good. 
Then you have three games with the Braves. Just, and we Again, know about the Braves. They could be a, a wild card team. team or so. You have the Nationals, who are no good. They're ten to twenty. They stink. Three games with the the Padres. Padres. They're what are they? They're pretty. Right they're now? a pretty good team. Yeah, they're not bad. And then you have four games at St. Louis, and then a four-game series to end May with the Cubs. Yeah, so the Padres are good. Padres are 19 and 10. They're right behind the but Dodgers. But that's the thing. They need to be winning these games because so far, their first two months, they've played a lot of relatively lesser teams, but they've been winning. You can't argue with that. We just mentioned how they're the fourth best team in Major League Baseball I mean, record-wise. Look at, their, look at their schedule, though, dude. Their schedule, the Brewers have a, have a pretty lacks good. I mean, you got a couple pepper dinner, like the Padres and obviously the Cardinals. I mean, the Phillies are, the Phillies are okay. I guess. What are they? 12 and 16. Well, it depends. It depends who you ask about the Phillies and it depends on uh, what okay. kind of day they're having. I, I should say compared to like playing the Cubs, the Pirates or the Reds, they're a little better than those guys, right? Well, that's because the Marlins, the Phillies, those type of teams are teams that'll be close to 500. I mean, just look at the Brewers schedule. It's, the Brewers' schedule is pretty damn easy. They have a couple of uh, tough series here and there, but for the most part, I mean, obviously you're playing against bad teams because you're in the NL Central. you got the Pirates, the Reds, and the Cubs, and the Cardinals are. Well, wouldn't you be more upset or more worried if they were 500 right now versus being 19 and 10? Yeah. Like, the conversation I heard in the gym was, they haven't played anyone. They stink. I think you could also argue no. that the Brewers haven't played great baseball yet this year. They have not, and the Brewers continue to win. The Brewers are top in the NL Central. They're 19 and 10. They handle their business. That's exactly what you want a team like the Brewers to do. Handle their business against the low-level clubs and then go see what happens against the likes of the Cardinals, the Padres. we got the Rockies a little and later. With the, with the Brewers being projected to win the NL Central and to have about 90 wins this season, for me, it's it's more or less take care of your business in the regular season. We know how good this pitching staff is whether we're talking about the rotation or the bullpen, do you have enough bats for the postseason? Like, I know that's bad to say in baseball, especially because it's a six month season. It's a marathon. It's 162 games, but especially through these first two months, the Milwaukee Brewers have been handling their business. And it's kind of like, as of right now, they haven't necessarily hit a rough patch, but again, they've been playing lesser teams, but they haven't start the season. They were kind of, they also haven't been playing good baseball either. You haven't, you haven't seen, seen, you've seen flash. You haven't seen them put together long periods of, of big time play by like a lot of their bats. I think at this point, it's just, it's literally, let's see where we're at for the all-star break. Yeah, totally. Now, Again, to put a bow on this before we got the Razor's Edge, do some sports gambling coming up. Yeah, Robin? Well, I was going to ask you real quick. Do you feel confident saying that this Milwaukee Brewers team is a World Series team? With the pitching, yes. See, I would say no. I haven't seen enough. Well, the pitching, I would say the pitching, the arms are there, but the offense is yet to come alive yet to like fully My second question was going to be, do you feel like this Milwaukee Brewers team is a, is a playoff team? Oh, yes, hands down. Same. Yeah. So... The pitch, the pitching gives you the chance for World Series. It's like the rest of it needs to, like the errors need to be cut down. The offense needs to come along. So I like say, who's not yeah, the Reds. It, it's it's a team that is a playoff team. Is it a World Series favorite? Not in my mind, but let's see what they can do by the All Star break. Yeah, and the and the conversation that I heard in the gym, the same people that are crying about the Brewers stinking, they're not any good. Who have they played? They'd be the same people who would be crying and bitching. If they were to lose to the Reds or the Pirates or the Cubs, that they're not any good. So 
this small faction of fans, you just you just take what they say and you put them in a little corner and you let them cry to themselves and you go and celebrate beating the likes of the low-level clubs.